A priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. Episode 40 of the Untitled Catholic Podcast. Back at it again after... Several months, it feels like, of recording an episode. Is that right? How how long? When was our last episode? Memorial Day. That's the last one we've released. But the last one that we did was probably a month after that. So we probably recorded sometime after, um, like the beginning of July, before the Fourth of July. The Untitled Catholic Podcast went on summer vacation. Yes, it went on summer vacation. The episode that we recorded in July, we're canning it. It, it, we're gonna pretend like it doesn't exist. It, it probably wasn't that good anyway. I mean, it was an unintentional summer vacation. Yes, yeah, unintentional summer vacation. That episode, you knew we were on summer vacation, so we're just gonna say that that episode uh, was bad, and we're not gonna release it. So that's I w- and I was I just got back from a priest conference with Bishop um, Barron. So okay. how was that? It was nice. The Word on Fire? Yeah, it was the Word on Fire priest conference. So it was a legitimate priest conference. Yes, I wasn't lying about it. Did you get a Not little, that I've ever lied on this A podcast. little peek behind the curtain of what a, what a Word on Fire is up to? I guess so, yeah. I mean, they, they just recorded something at the World Meeting of Families that just happened a few uh, days prior to this episode. Where was that held, the World Meeting of Families? In Ireland, Oh. Which all 10 people that listen to the podcast probably know about it already. However, it will be good to hear more detailed of how that is going. But overall, good or bad, Nolan? Overall, it's been awesome. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm just super excited to have this opportunity, and um, yeah, to just help youth ministry grow. And certainly, this is a time where um, building up young saints in the church is uh, so desperately needed uh, more than ever before. So I'm, I'm scared and excited, and all those things about this opportunity and all it affords. So we're looking forward to hearing more about that. I'll have a I'll have a fun story to share. I think about my time in Cleveland with someone in your position. That well, I'll, I'll just say that LeBron story. James. Yeah, LeBron James was there, and he was at a big <laughs> event. James, LeBron James. Um, but before we get all to all to that, we're gonna just dedicate this episode to recent news in the church where obviously everyone who would be interested in this podcast knows what's going on in the church all the the scandals that have come out the cover-ups all of that stuff um and i've kind of not necessarily talked to anyone about it yet uh just because it's a lot to kind of take in and to read and to process and pray about um and then I guess recently Pope Francis is in the news and he had a response and then now there's this letter that came out and all this kind of stuff. So we're just going to take 
the next however many minutes to just kind of talk through this as I guess three friends and if anyone cares about what we have to say great um, if you are not interested in what we have to say just stop listening at this point but give us a five on iTunes anyway um, I think that's a fair ask right I guess so <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I would say Nolan would uh, this overall like we don't have to explain obviously anyone that everyone knows what's going on um, but in your position now working for a diocese how do you think you have a different outlook on it how has it affected your day to day how has it affected your 10 year goal has it affected your faith everything about that in your the Nolan now that is no longer a campus minister but on a diocesan level what um, are your overall how's it affected you yeah I mean you know certainly working in the church and having worked in church ministry my whole adult life I um it hurts it hurts a lot it's like you know I've kind of likened it to you know just finding out that you know, there's a member of your family who's just done some really awful things. And it's like, you know, you're not going to abandon your family. I'm not going to, like, cease to, like, call myself a Reynolds. But, like, at the same time, if I found out there was something really shady happening within my family, I'd be embarrassed and I'd be disgusted. And then that's how I feel. So, um, yeah, I've, I've lost sleep over this. Um, um, and I'm, I struggled to find words. Uh I think, in part, it feels like 2002 all over again when this original scandals broke. Um, and I've heard, heard a lot of people say that, and I agree, that it's like it's kind of like an old wound coming back. But at the same time, I feel like this is, there's much more of a call, for better or for worse, there, I feel like there's much more of a call for action now. Um, and specifically action on my part. And I also feel like, um, I don't know, because I've invested so much of my life in the church, not just as, as a person working within it, though certainly that is there, um, but just that, you know, I'm raising a family in the church and um, I've given so much to the church. It, it really, really, really freaking hurts. Like, it just, it's really, it's painful. And, um, you know, it's it's tough to pray. Um, even Sunday morning, like, I just, man, it was just, my kids make it hard enough to pray at Mass. It was just like, <laughs> you know, but it, just like to try to focus and, and just remind myself that, that you know, the, the church was never about these people. The church was always about the Eucharist, was always about um, Christ and um, it's not him, uh, you know. He, I need him more more than ever right now. Um, but it, it's it just the, the the human reality is that it really hurts and it's really hard. I can't even imagine for for Father Sean um, what 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 it must feel like. Do you want to speak into that, Father Sean? <clears throat> so, like the last couple of weeks, where all this stuff kind of started coming out, like I've been away. Like, I haven't been at the parish. I've had some time for a vacation. So it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, uh, like I feel like I've escaped it. But at the same time, I know that I haven't. And there's, like, all this stuff, like Nolan said, the process. And I can honestly say the other night, um, I had nightmares about 
all of this. Um, and there's like a certain sense of like, um, I mean, obviously it's like betrayal and a lot of the stuff that, that got mentioned is all stuff that happened like a long time ago. And, and we can say like, like, you know, the systems that we've put in place, at least to protect kids since 2002, um, it seems like they're, we're doing better at it. And it seems like there's a lot of rules that, that, um, you know, help things now. But what we're finding out is like a lot of like where the ball was dropped and a lot of people who still have influence uh, and, you know, how their mistakes are, are, are coming to light. And, and then there are things where it's like, okay, you know, people make accusations. I'm not talking about the victims. Obviously, we want to pray for the victims because I can't even imagine what it's like for them. Um, like th th to just think about like I, I think that's the thing that kind of bothers me the most um, like as a priest you have people coming to you at their like most vulnerable moments and for other priests to take advantage of people in those moments is like the thing that like hurts me the most because you kind of like you know you're called father and uh, you know everyone's supposed to be your spiritual children right so like you look at the people that you're put in charge, like God has put you in charge of protecting and helping these people get to heaven. So for people to take advantage of that, that's obviously the thing that like, that hurts the most. Um, and then from there, the idea that those who, who, who knew and then didn't do anything, like that's something that kind of hurts as well. Like I don't have kids the way that Nolan has kids and the way that hopefully one day you will have kids where like if you knew somebody did something to your kid and you knew someone else knew about it and didn't do anything to help, like how much that hurts as well. So you, you factor all of those things into the equation and then you just kind of think about like, you know, all this is like old wounds coming back and then you realize that we're just starting to scratch the surface. And then we don't know what's true. We don't know who's lying, who knew stuff and didn't do anything, and who really didn't know anything. And then you have Archbishop Vigano's letter that came out that's accusing some of the highest ranking people in the church about knowing stuff. And like, what, what do we make of it? Because right now we don't know. There's, there's been no confirmation from anyone that this is true or not true. And there's lots of people writing opinions. And then you have people who are saying, like, you can't trust him because of X, Y, and Z. And there's other people that are saying he's enough, you know. So there's all this information out there. And it's very hard to process it and, and to, to wrap our heads around it. It's bad enough to hear about all the bad things that happened to people, uh, you know, decades ago. But now all of this is like, now there's direct stuff that we kind of have to deal with now. And, um, like some of the reforms worked and then we're realizing now that we didn't maybe go far enough and there needs to be more reform and more things done. Um, and like I like we already weren't doing a good job as far as like the way that the in our country, the way that people view the church. And this is just going to be like another one of those blows. And I this is one of the things that I keep thinking about, like not only are those bad uh, priests and, and, and to some extent um, bad bishops um, not only did they hurt the people that they abused but now all the people that leave the church because of this you know they're responsible for those souls mm. as well 
and all the people that are going to leave because of this like they're going to have to carry that burden as well and i hope that they're contrite and i hope that they they legitimately seek the mercy and forgiveness of of god because if they don't then i believe that hell is real and jesus says it's better for someone to have never been born than it would be to to hurt he says one of the little ones so uh to lead those people into sin so just thinking about all of that and all the people who are just looking for an excuse to not come to church anymore mm. and how much more important it is for me and I, and for all of us really to be to have that internal conversion where we become people who say what we mean because if i tell you you should pray every day and you should do this and you should do that and i don't do those things then i have no no authority to say anything so how much more holy we need to become and then just on like a personal level like how much more i have to be worried about what people are going to say about me how people are going to look at me like i just think about like when i go in the the um sacristy to get ready for mass if the if there are altar servers in there getting vested then i wait until they come out to go in so that nobody can say anything and then when i'm talking to the altar servers before mass i stand in by where the door is so that the doors open everyone can see me standing there like i have these are always things that we have to think about and like that kind of stuff but then now there's like the stigma attached to me um like you know uh guilt by association which i mean on the grand scale of things that's like i can handle that you know if people want to look at me funny and people want to be you know like father mike schmitz talked about this if they want to look at me funny and 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 give me dirty looks like i can handle that that's a lot better than what the victims had to uh deal with and endure so we have to make sure we keep them uh in our prayers as well Mm -hmm. yeah it's oh yeah um the thing that I've kind of been thinking about more recently, or uh, there's a lot of things just to kind of continue the, the conversation. Like the, the word that comes to mind is just evil. Like this, the actions are pure evil. But like I, I, I think and that this is Satan trying to attack the church. And uh, these people these that abused are, are pure evil. Um, and like you said, we could hope and pray that they they seek actual forgiveness um and i i think the prayer too is for justice like i i hope that every person that is an abuser is properly persecuted and that these people are are given the proper sentence whatever that may be however many years in prison however that looks whatever that is i think that that's an important thing that uh, they're they're properly sentenced to whatever penalty it, it is, and uh, it's that constant prayer too of the people who have been abused, like you said, Father Sean, like that. It's just a prayer of like a desperate prayer that somehow, by some miracle, they don't fall away from the Eucharist, and that's mm -hmm. like that, that's almost an impossible prayer. And I think like the thing that kind of going off Nolan like the way I kind of putting it is like that thing that you love most in the world and like the thing that you defend and live for was just attacked and mm -hmm. it's like 
almost in a way how a, a, a terrorist can attack our country and it's like this it's just this crazy evil and this crazy thing and it's just like this desperate feeling where you're like are we safe to live in our country that we love so much and now it's like with our church you're like is it people don't feel safe in it and it's just again just pure pure evil mm. but at the same time like what going back to that Mike father Mike Schmitz thing uh, the thing that stuck out to me was how he said it's like a call not to leave the church but to lead the church so for me like especially someone that is surrounded by non-catholic people for most of the time uh, it's very easy for people to just be like how can you possibly support this thing that is just full of evil people yeah and it's like at the same time there's this it, it could be like the reverse effect because obviously every institution's not perfect and we never as catholics say that the church is built on priest the the priesthood or by bishops or by the pope it's obviously obviously built by christ and it's protected by the holy spirit so there's still that trust that the holy spirit is going to protect the church that the the everything that we know and believe is true will not falter obviously it will continue um the sacraments will continue jesus is still in the eucharist when we go to confession we are forgiven from our sins um and i think like the, that lead the church thing in my eyes is kind of like well if I continue to love this as much as I have loved it and as much as I defend it and if I continue to defend it not the people obviously but the sacraments and the church the things that we believe um, if I continue to love the Eucharist and I continue to love all the sacraments what a witness that could be to people and like you said Father Sean like you practice what you preach obviously if you're a christian you should do that um if you're any anything and you believe in something you have to practice it um but to like really fall in love again with the sacraments i think that could be a really important witness if like everyone that's a practicing catholic does that and i don't it could look like whatever like for me, I I want to, and this it, I mean it's it's anything, but it's just like, is it you pray more rosaries, you go to more mass, you pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, you go to confession once a week. Like, what is it that is gonna make you? And it's a cliche term, but make you a saint, because that is what our church needs. Obviously, it always needs that, but it needs people to like fight for what is true fight for the sacraments and like make sure that we protect our church the best that we can and it looks a lot different for you guys than it looks for me obviously because one of you is a priest and one of you works for a diocese but my mission i think is what it, it hasn't changed but it's more of like this motivation now is like to really live out this love that i have for this church and it's it's tough and it, it will take a lot of prayer and patience and all that kind of stuff and I, I think it's now motivation for me to like really educate myself on the dogmas of the church so if there's ever a question about anything I can articulately say what I believe mm. and 
that's that, and I, that should be something that everyone has done. Uh, and everything I'm saying is something that Catholics should always do. But I think it's like this, sort of like this, again, similar to if there's a terrorist attack, like all of a sudden you're patriotic. And then it kind of like goes goes away after a while. I don't I don't think like I think if you re fall in love with the church, that you should just obviously always love the church and live it and preach it and the the whole nine. Uh, so I think it starts with like that. Yeah, that that's kind of how I've been trying to cope with it, I guess. Uh, but it's just something that you can't even can't even begin to express just the hurt that people have and it's just crazy like it's it's almost like too depressing to think about sometimes uh and that's where i think the justice thing comes in where that that is responsibility of the church of the world to properly justify or not not justify but you know what i'm saying justin that's that's like what you were saying about like um you know going on and and just trying to be saints and and living out and and leading the church in the future that's like the exact like thing that's causing me so much anxiety right now is like i am having so much trouble just going back to doing those normal things not because i don't believe but uh, it just with this kind of hanging over a head i it's just it's just hard like i said to pray it's hard to 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 get my mind right for mass and my heart in the right place for mass it's hard to you know just kind of go on but it's also like partly like it it doesn't feel like i should just be going on it doesn't feel like like it really like i feel like this is a turning point for the church but it's like a turning point for every catholic too and i don't know what that means i i just but i feel like i should be doing something more like i feel like and again i don't know what that is but like i feel like it's not just like i can't just bring my kids to mass on sundays anymore and say prayers at night like it's we need to get really really bold and creative and daring and we need to live out this faith like you say like even more you know with a mind for achieving sainthood than ever before but like it has to look almost radically different i mean i'm not talking about changing teaching or the sacraments or anything that's i'm talking about the way we live out those teachings though and the way we assimilate with life like it's gonna I think it's going to even be more than just a bunch of, you know, devout Catholics saying like, you know, we don't leave, you know, Jesus for Judas and we don't, you know, give up on the, on the, the, the church because of, of a few, um, evil members. Uh, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I like, I want to see a church like that resembles the early church. Like that's, that's like what we need. And I don't know how that looks like in the year 2018 with, all that the church has become since then, good and bad. But like, I don't know. Do you do you feel the same way, Father Sean? That yeah, I think um, one of the things I would say is God's going to show us if we if we deepen that dedication to Him, He's going to show us um, where we need to be and and who we need to be, and He's going to give us that ability. But it, it, like, I agree with you. It's not business as usual now. Mm-hmm. We don't go back, you know. 
Um, like, you know, like after 9-11, I remember when Saturday Night Live came back and they made that joke that like, can we go back to being funny? And Rudy Giuliani was like, why start now? And like, you know, when baseball played again, it was like, okay, let's go back to normal. Yeah. But like, this is like a different kind of thing. This is not like, okay, let's just go back to normal because number one, normal wasn't working. Otherwise, this would have never happened. Right. That's number one. Number two, we're called to a radical faith, right? And it's something that comfort and the comfort like of our own country that we're rich and all these kind of things. And not that you and I are personally rich, but like if you look at where we are in the world, like, you know, you might struggle to be able to go to vacation or you might struggle, to, you know, for whatever. You might live paycheck to paycheck, but you still have a lot more than most of the world. So the richness of America makes us comfortable because like a lot of people that I talk to are oftentimes upset when they don't get things that they want, not necessarily like real needs, right? So we, we think about that comfort and like, are we living our faith out in a radical way? Are we living in such a way that if somebody looks at us, they're going to want that because they're going to see how much this transforms us and what we're always looking to improve or always looking to grow. And holiness and how do we do that so that's that's obviously more prayer more giving time uh, to the Lord fasting and penance is something that and I'm not just saying going to the sacrament of reconciliation we should be doing that but like like we don't just fast on Wednesday on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday right you don't just you don't need to just give something up during Lent like you can pick a day during the week or Wednesday or a Friday and say okay I'm not gonna have dessert on Wednesdays, I'm not gonna drink. I'm not gonna put sugar in my coffee in the morning anymore. Whatever it is, and like find those fasting things that we can bring into our life now, and and, and then look to the saints and see what they did. Like it's not something like we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have the truth of of the faith, and then the immaculate church, right? The spotless church, the mystical body of the church that that is sinless. We we have her to lead us and guide us, and it it, it reminds me of. Of, of two things. The first would be, and, and so this will probably come out before I preach uh, this Sunday, the 22nd Sunday of Ordinary Time. So if you hear this again, sorry, not sorry, but um, <laughs> uh, like I remember when we were in World Youth Day um, in Madrid and we were at the um, church that was built where St. Teresa of Avila was born in the town in the church that she was baptized or but when you know something like and father rob ketchum who's been on this show uh before was preaching about her life and how she was a reformer and all of these kind of things and he was quoting indirectly pope benedict um by saying like this is the time where we're called to be saints and like you said this as well justin and not like like saints in the sense that like yeah we want to get to heaven but like the church needs saints that are like going to be canonized now mm. And like we need to live a life in a radical abandon to Christ. Like you see people like Mother Teresa, right? Like she gave everything to Jesus and we need to do that as well in whatever state of life we're in. So if you're a sister, how do you give your life to Jesus? A priest, a bishop, a lay person, a father, a mother, you know, whatever it may be. And then the other thing I think of is like what you said, the Holy Spirit, it protects and guides the church, right? It, the church cannot lead, be led into error in the sense of like, it's teaching her teaching on faith and and morals right but that line i heard this on a, a podcast once and i don't remember exactly where it was so I, I i'm sorry i can't give the person credit but they mentioned the gates of hell right the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and that's not like you know when we think about gates 
right? You, you, you know, when you go to a football game, they have defense. The defense sign, it's a gate, meaning that the defense is meant to stop the incoming attack, right? So the gates of hell can't prevail against the church isn't like the gates are attacking the church. It's us storming the gates of hell, and hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. And if we are, like we, the devil wants nothing less than us becoming more holy. And if we have that internal conversion and we live our lives authentically and, and radically Catholic, we will storm the gates of hell and the devil will cower because the name of Jesus is more powerful than all the other evil, right? Like St. Paul says, where sin is there, grace is even mm-hmm. more. And so that grace from God, that, that leadership of our King Jesus Christ, who's already won, he's already won the war. And now he's going to give us the strength to win these battles that come our way. And it's our job to make the devil cower by our holiness. I think of St. John Vianney, right? The devil said to him once, I don't, I'm getting this a little bit wrong, so forgive me. He said something like, if, uh, there were only, if there were three more priests like you, then my kingdom would fall apart. Mm. So we need to be those people that he shakes in his boots because we're going to come with more fervor with more faith, with more prayer, with more dedication to, to Christ, especially in the sacraments, and even more especially in the Eucharist. And, and I was going to say, like, that the, the reason we're in the state where that we're in, um, and it's not even just the scandal, but certainly that's where the, the you know, come, really came to a head and is made, like, you know, put on graphic, disgusting, horrible display, but, like, we got really lax in storming the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. Like, really lax. Like, every single one of us, bishops, priests, lady, every one of us, like, you know, and I'm always careful, like, you know, not to give uh, the devil too much credit because uh, you, you have to be, you know, in order to allow evil in, you have to cooperate with him and you right. have that free will to do that or not to do that. But, like, this is, like, this is sinister, like this is like what ha- what has happened to the church is like it w- it's like the perfect storm mm-hmm. um for for him and, and uh this i i couldn't even think of a more horrific you know masterful evil plan than to just tear the church apart from the insides to have you know civil war between leaders and uh to have factions and to have you know just the the high everyone from the the highest of the high to do the most disgusting vile things um or at the very least brush it under the rug um it's 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 evil it's absolutely sinister and so like yeah you're right father sean we need to seriously raise up and and storm the gates of hell and you know what that looks like um in everyday life i think you know it starts with just calling evil what it is and and not being afraid of you know being of what other people think of us and what other people are going to say and how we're going to be judged but when we see evil just just to call it call it evil and call it out uh i I would say it's kind of you almost sort of all touched upon it uh there i guess pope benedict wrote in faith in the future when was that Put out, Father Sean. I think it was originally written in like 1967, but I don't remember exactly. And it eerily applies to the current age, um, and it kind of goes with everything I guess that we're saying 
but there's someone posted on Facebook just like snidbits of it um, and I think if I'm just going to read it and then we could probably just wrap up there if you guys are cool with that yeah of course uh, so it says church will become small and will have to start afresh more or less from the beginning she will no longer be able to inhabit many of the edifices she built in prosperity as the number of her adherents diminishes she will lose many of her social privileges as a small society the church will make, make much bigger demands on the initiative of her individual members it will be hard going for the church for the process of crystallization and clarification will cost her much valuable energy it will make her poor and cause her to become the church of the meek the process will be long and wearisome as was the road from the false progressivism on the eve of the French Revolution when a bishop might be thought smart if he made fun of dogmas and even uh, insinuated that the existence of God was by no means certain but when the trial of this sifting is passed the great power will flow from a more spiritualized and simplified church men in a totally planned world will find themselves unspeakably lonely if they have completely lost sight of God they will feel the whole horror of their poverty then they will discover the little flock of believers as something wholly new they will discover it as a hope that is meant for them an answer for which they have always been searching in secret and so it seems certain to me that the church is facing very hard times the real crisis has scarcely begun we will have to count on terrific upheavals but I am equally certain about what will remain at the end, not the church of the po political cult, which is dead already, but the church of faith. She may, she may well no longer be the dominant social power to the extent that she was until recently, but she will enjoy a fresh blossoming and be seen as man's home, where he will find life and hope beyond death. It's exactly what I, what I was you know what I was thinking. Um, yeah, and, I was and, about. I was, we're, I, essentially, I thought we all said it. Just yeah, less less bigger words that I can't read. And again, like let me just like preface this by saying like I'm speaking, you know, and that again is part of the problem with social media and the technology today that everyone's you know initial reactions are are what they're remembered by and recorded. So I'm just thinking out loud for the most part, but. I really do feel like it's we got to get to a place where it's a radically different church where you know what it means to be Catholic in the eyes of like you know the non-Catholic or the, the the fallen away Catholic like it looks like radically different than that and and um, and I and I my, my hunch and my inclination is to say it looks a lot more like the the early church you know i'll never forget and i might have even said this on this podcast before but um father brian barr good friend of the the podcast or at least he never listened some to of the an hosts. episode but he, he loves us i think yes well i love him dearly and he he gave a great homily one time um uh, where he was talking about you know and I, and i guess it was it was something must have came up in the news where the church was being persecuted and um he said uh he's like you know why are we surprised when the church is persecuted why are we surprised when you know we have to our faith and our lives are really on the line for the for the faith like that was what it meant to be christian 
for the first 400 years. That's what it was. It was, it was you know, going to Mass and fearing for your life. It was, you know, hiding out and, and praying in, in secret um, or, or be faced with, you know, a penalty as great as death. So um, we experienced an incredible glory, um, amount of glory years until, uh, you know, until recently. And maybe this is just the beginning of going back to that, that early experience of, of what it really meant to be Christian. And I think one of the things that is, that's important to remember is we're talking about the church in the United States. Mm-hmm. There are parts of the world right now mm-hmm. where people are still hiding, where people, like I could think, you know, in China, there's parts of China where you can get arrested for going into a church mm-hmm. or being caught to go to the real church, not the, the communist Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. There's parts in the Middle East where people are threatened to express their Christian faith, not like threatened in the sense where someone's going to think you're a loser. You know, like right. I, I much rather be called names or get spit on by someone than have to worry about being crucified or murdered. The or, way people you know, are churches and, and, being bombed, and yeah, stuff. And, and 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 terrorists attacking, uh, you know, people and, and these kind of things. So, like in that sense, we still have it easy. And we we got fat off of uh, the the um, hard work of others. Like at the beginning of this country, it was not easy to be Catholic here. There was persecutions um, of the immigrants that came in and stuff like that. Um, and then we assimilated into society. And then some would argue that maybe we we became too assimilated, mm-hmm. and that we were no longer distinct or different than everybody else and in those moments where we're no longer distinct or different those moments where we fit in that's when we're not doing it right because if you think about what jesus said jesus said i didn't come to bring peace but to, to basically have you know mother against daughter and father against son and and how like living the life of a christian is something that is radical and that our lives and not in a, in, a, in a better than you kind of way, but our lives should challenge other people to strive for greatness. That's one of my other favorite quotes by mm. Pope Benedict. That uh, with, with the world, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the, basically like the world offers us comfort, mm-hmm. but we weren't created for comfort. We were created for greatness. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity for us now to be great. Well said. Well, I think that we could keep talking, but we would just exhaust our ourselves and our audience. So, Father Sean, would you like to close this episode out? Uh, so, everyone listening, God bless you, and please uh, keep praying for the church, um, her leaders, and pray for all those who were um, victimized at the hands of of very bad people.